This episode of Historia Obscura deals with the sensitive subject of abortion and discusses sexual assault and maternal death. Listener discretion is advised. In 2009, the state of Colorado launched the Colorado Family Planning Initiative. This program, signed into law by Colorado Governor Bill Ritter, provides low-cost intrauterine contraceptive devices over-the-counter to teenagers without the requirement of parental consent. The program is still in place today under the governorship of Jared Polis, a graduate of Princeton University in New Jersey. As a result of the program, Colorado's birth rate among 15 to 19-year-olds was cut in half in less than a decade. Perhaps even more interestingly, however, the number of abortions performed on 15 to 19-year-olds also decreased by over 60% in the same period of time. Due to a lack of demand, the number of abortion clinics in Colorado actually decreased in this time period, and the state saved an estimated $70 million in costs associated with pregnancy, childbirth, and abortion. Now, it is exceedingly rare for me to endorse a specific political position on this podcast, but I will make an exception for this program. Colorado's model of contraceptive distribution is effective not only at reducing teen pregnancies, but also at reducing the number of abortions. Simply put, this is a great idea that presents a pro-choice and pro-life solution to the fierce debate over abortion laws in the United States. And I mean, fierce debate. A 2018 Gallup poll found that, among voting-age Americans, the number of respondents who identified as pro-choice and pro-life were nearly identical, with 48% of respondents identifying with each label. Since the 1973 Supreme Court ruling in Roe v. Wade, first-trimester abortion has been legal nationwide. Individual state governments are permitted to partially restrict second-trimester abortions and are allowed to prohibit third-trimester abortions entirely, except in cases of potential harm to the parent. In recent years, however, even first-trimester abortion law has been frequently challenged by state governments, particularly through heartbeat laws. Heartbeat laws specifically restrict abortions after a fetal heartbeat is heard, which usually occurs after around six weeks of pregnancy. At this time, which is halfway through the first trimester of pregnancy, one often doesn't even know that they are pregnant. In September of 2021, Texas enacted one of the most restrictive heartbeat laws in the country, prohibiting abortion after six weeks in roughly 85% of cases. Other states have questionable records on laws related to fetal death. In 2011, Bei Bei Shui, a pregnant Chinese immigrant living in Indiana, attempted to commit suicide by ingesting rat poison. Shui survived, but her unborn child did not, and she was charged with attempted murder. After spending over a year in jail, Shui instead pled guilty to misdemeanor criminal recklessness, ending the legal battle. Although Shui's murder charges were dropped, Other states have prosecuted pregnant individuals for having miscarriages and stillbirths due to drug addiction or suicide attempts. And as the Supreme Court becomes more ideologically conservative, many advocates of legal abortion are starting to fear that the precedent set by Roe v. Wade is in danger. A 
of course, compared to many other countries around the world, America actually has very lenient abortion laws. Other countries, particularly those with extensive religious influence in government, prohibit abortion in nearly all circumstances. This is especially true in nations influenced heavily by the Catholic Church. There are nine countries that prohibit abortion entirely, all of which have a Catholic population over 35%. Andorra, the Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Honduras, Madagascar, Malta, Nicaragua, the Philippines, and the Vatican City. Of these, El Salvador's abortion laws are considered the most harsh out of any nation. Although most other countries' anti-abortion laws specifically target abortion providers, those who receive abortions in El Salvador often face criminal charges themselves. On top of that, some Salvadorians have even been criminally convicted for miscarriages and stillbirths, as they are often suspected of deliberately terminating their pregnancy. One of the most notable instances of this was the prosecution of Glenda Xiomara Cruz. Cruz, a 19-year-old girl who didn't even know she was pregnant, suffered a miscarriage in 2013. After hospital staff reported her to the police, Cruz was arrested and later sentenced to 10 years in prison for aggravated murder. Five years prior, in 2008, 30-year-old Maria Hernandez Mendez de Castro was sentenced to 30 years in prison after giving birth to a stillborn child. Although El Salvador's abortion laws are shocking, it is arguably just as shocking that Ireland, one of the most developed nations in the world that has been lauded for its progressive governance and extensive human rights, had abortion laws nearly as strict as El Salvador's up until just four years ago. The right to life of the unborn was even codified into the Constitution of Ireland. And yet, today, Ireland's abortion laws are similar to those of many U.S. states and are some of the most lenient in the world. So, how did so much change? Well, much of this change can be attributed to a crucial Irish Supreme Court decision regarding abortion. I'm going to tell you all about it, right now, on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 58th episode of this podcast, and I'm sure this topic is very much on your mind, especially during Women's History Month. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. Abortion, in the form of self-induced miscarriage, was first made illegal in British-administered Ireland under the Offenses Against the Person Act of 1861. Section 58 of this law stated, quote, 
every woman being with child who, with intent to procure her own miscarriage, shall unlawfully administer to herself any poison or other noxious thing, or shall unlawfully use any instrument or other means whatsoever with the like intent, shall be guilty of felony, and being convicted thereof shall be liable to be kept in penal servitude for life. When the Irish Free State, a self-governing British Dominion, was established in 1922, Ireland retained British abortion legislation. Soon after, the Criminal Law Amendment Act of 1935 was passed, which banned all contraceptives without any exceptions. Consequently, during this time, roughly a hundred Irish women were dying each year as a result of unsafe illegal abortions. It was around this time that the pro-choice movement in Ireland began to take off due to concerns over the growing number of deaths from unsafe abortions. Meanwhile, in the nearby United Kingdom, abortion remained illegal in its entirety until the 1936 High Court ruling in R v. Bourne. This case saw the acquittal of Alec Bourne, a gynecologist who had performed an abortion on a 14-year-old rape victim, essentially decriminalizing abortion under certain circumstances. This opened the floodgates for Irish women seeking abortions as thousands traveled to the UK to terminate their pregnancies. Prior to World War II, an estimated 400 abortions, both legal and illegal, were performed each day in Great Britain, including many on Irish women. Not all pregnancies warranted abortions under British law, however, and after a travel ban between the UK and Ireland was imposed due to World War II, illegal abortions in Ireland skyrocketed. In 1944, Mamie Cadden, one of the most prolific backstreet abortionists in Ireland, was even sentenced to death for the homicide of one of her patients, although her sentence would later be commuted to life imprisonment. Support for legal abortion in Ireland increased substantially throughout the mid-20th century, causing panic among opponents of abortion. In 1981, the Pro-Life Amendment campaign was established with the intent of codifying a ban on abortion into the Irish Constitution. On September 7, 1983, a referendum was held on inserting into the Irish Constitution, quote, The state acknowledges the right of life of the unborn and, with due regard to the equal right to the life of the mother, guarantees in its laws to respect and, as far as practicable, by its laws to defend and vindicate that right. The referendum succeeded with almost 67% of the national popular vote and the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution was ratified. amendment restricted the legality of abortion exclusively to instances in which the mother's life was at risk. The exception for life-threatening pregnancies was well received by abortion advocates, in part due to the 1983 death of 26-year-old Sheila Hodgers. Hodgers, a pregnant cancer patient who was refused an induction or a cesarean section due to the risk of harm to her child, died two days after giving birth to a stillborn daughter. Back in the United Kingdom, the Abortion Act of 1967 had deregulated abortion even further and established government-subsidized abortion clinics. Unsurprisingly, the trend of Irish women seeking abortions in the UK continued. According to one Irish magazine at the time, it was common for young Irish pregnant women to be, quote, 
hustled off normally to London, come back without the baby, and nobody is any the wiser. To combat this, the Society for the Protection of the Unborn, a British anti-abortion charity, successfully petitioned the High Court to prohibit Irish family counseling agencies from assisting in the transportation of abortion patients outside of the country, as well as from distributing information about abortion procedures. Tensions between pro-choice and pro-life factions in Ireland reached ahead in December of 1991, when a 13-year-old girl, known only for privacy reasons as X, became pregnant after being raped by her neighbor. After the girl told her parents that she was having suicidal thoughts, one of the extenuating circumstances that permitted an abortion in the UK, arrangements were made to have her transported to the UK to undergo an abortion. Before she could, however, her parents asked the police if DNA evidence from the aborted fetus could be used as legal evidence against the perpetrator of the rape. In turn, the police tipped off Irish Attorney General Harry Wheelahan, who took out a legal injunction in February of 1992 prohibiting the girl from traveling out of the country. One decision pertaining to the case of Attorney General v. X, led by Chief Justice Thomas Finlay, the Supreme Court of Ireland ruled in favor of X. The injunction against the girl was soon lifted, but this wasn't the only change that resulted from the X case. The Supreme Court also held that suicidal ideation constitutes a substantial enough threat to a mother's life to warrant a legal abortion. Attorney General Wheelahan, arguing against legal abortion, stated, quote, The problem was stark. There was an unborn child with a constitutional right to life. There was nobody to advocate the right of that child to be born other than the Attorney General. Justice Hugh O'Flaherty, who sided with X, famously responded, quote, The stark situation is, if someone who is pregnant commits suicide, you lose the mother and the child. As a result of this ruling, pregnant mothers suffering from suicidal thoughts became eligible to undergo abortions. As for X, the subject of the case, she suffered a miscarriage shortly after the case concluded, likely due to the stress of the case. The perpetrator of the rape in question, who fathered X's unborn child, was eventually identified as 41-year-old Sean O'Brien. O'Brien was arrested in 1994 and charged with defilement of a girl under 15. He was found guilty and initially sentenced to 14 years in prison, but this sentence was later reduced on appeal to four years. O'Brien was paroled in 1997 after three years in prison. He became a taxi driver and, in 1999, he committed another sexual assault, this time against a 15-year-old female passenger. O'Brien was sentenced to three and a half years in prison, and since 2005, he has been a free man. The short length of both sentences has since been heavily criticized by Irish politicians, and his first victim, X, referred to the three and a half year sentence as disgraceful. The 
next case set off a domino effect of legal and constitutional developments that greatly expanded abortion access in Ireland. In 1992, a new constitutional amendment was proposed that would remove the risk of suicide from the list of legal abortion criteria, which would retroactively cancel the ruling in the X case. However, the proposed amendment was rejected in a referendum, with 65% of voters opposing it. The next two amendments to the Constitution of Ireland would expand on the holdings of the X case. The 13th Amendment clarifies that traveling outside of Ireland to receive an abortion cannot be prohibited, while the 14th Amendment protects the right of counselors to distribute information about abortion procedures. In 2001, anti-abortion advocates tried again to tighten restrictions on abortion, proposing another constitutional amendment that would remove risk of suicide as an extenuating circumstance. The referendum on this amendment failed by a razor-thin margin, with just over 50.4% of voters opposing it. One of the most impactful events that fanned the flames of pro-choice sentiment in Ireland occurred in 2012. In October of that year, Savita Halaponavar, an Indian immigrant living in Galway, experienced a miscarriage and a premature rupture of her amniotic sac. She requested to have her miscarried fetus removed via an abortion, but her request was refused, as a fetal heartbeat was still detected and there was no direct threat to Halaponavar's life. Halaponavar soon developed sepsis from the unremoved fetal tissue, and a week later, on October 31, 2012, Halaponavar went into cardiac arrest and died. Halaponavar's entirely preventable death garnered even more support for legal abortion, and in 2018, the 36th Amendment of the Constitution of Ireland, which would repeal the 8th Amendment and allow for the legalization of abortion, was proposed. On May 25, 2018, this amendment passed, receiving 66% of the vote in a national referendum, and it inserted into the Constitution of Ireland, quote, provision may be made by law for the regulation of termination of pregnancy. Today, first trimester abortion is entirely legal in Ireland, while in cases of rape, fetal deformity, or harm to the mother, second and third trimester abortion is also permitted so as to ensure that no more lives are lost to pregnancy complications, suicide, or unsafe abortions in Ireland. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I certainly found it very fascinating to research. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash historiaobscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash historia obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long. <laughs>